had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. I'm in love with Could you. make me be true. Snap out of it. Could make me be true. The magnificence that comes out of your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. You're lit from within, Tracy. It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. Hello, romantics. Welcome to A Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and I'm really excited to introduce my guest for this episode from the Real Spoilers podcast, Kevin Brackett. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm glad we're finally getting a chance to chat, not just through text. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, you know, when I had um, when I had Tom on uh, the podcast earlier this year, I guess back in January, um, it, it was a lot of fun. And I was, I was telling him how much of a fan I am of your podcast. I've been listening to it for many years now, actually, almost, I guess, almost six years. Well, thank you. So, um, and big, big fan. You you guys are, are a great podcast, um, real spoilers. Uh, so any any listeners of the pod to be you should definitely check that out if you haven't already. But you know, I've been trying to get all of you guys onto this podcast, um, and so really, really happy that you're here and Thank talking you. about talking about a movie that I really enjoy um, and uh, really excited to hear what you have to say about it. We're talking about uh, 1964 film My Fair Lady, starring Audrey Hepburn and Rex Harrison. Uh, I think one of one of my favorite musical shows and musical movies as well one I've watched a lot since high school and I saw on stage on my 30th birthday three years ago, which was really, um, really exciting that it happened. It was showing on Broadway, like during that time. And it was really felt like fate that the music I really cherish is there, but I would love to kind of hear about your, um, if you've seen my, I I remember we've mentioned, I think on through text that you've seen my fair lady on stage. And I would love to hear about, that experience for you. Yeah. So I believe what I saw was the national tour of the revival that you saw in yeah, New York. I think so uh, do you see it at Lincoln Center? Yeah. Or- yeah. Okay. So I saw that same production and I thought it was fantastic. I absolutely fell in love with it. I think they did a great job. Everybody on the tour, you know, we probably saw some different actors. Yeah. Um, you know, there's probably some crossover, but for the most part, we probably saw different actors. But I thought the production was wonderful. The sets and the costumes, everything was magnificent. And I'm a big musical fan. So I talk about that on Real Spoilers. I love musicals. And this show has so many good songs in it. It is just a it's a great listen where sometimes, you know, even in shows that you really like, you might skip over some songs, just the slow song, the sad song that you maybe don't want to listen to. But really, this one is like hit after hit after hit. It's learner and low. So you get a a lot of great sights and sounds with it. So I loved that tour. And uh, I'm excited to talk about this movie, too. Um, I I like the movie. I I saw it a long time ago for the first time. And it never really became one of my favorites, necessarily. Um, But, uh, you know, I love the music and everything. But I didn't watch as much as something like A Sound of Music. Um, You know, I I like Oklahoma. I, I love so many musicals. But this movie, I didn't grow up with. But when I saw the stage show a couple of years back, 
I, or actually it was just last season was when the national tour came through. Um, theaters came back and the tour came back through and I revisited the film and also just revisited it before our show too. But uh, I, I was like, yeah, this is, this is a great movie. I don't know why I didn't spend more time on it uh, when I was younger, but yeah, it's a really fun one. Yeah. About the um, stage production you saw, did they have the rotating uh stage like the i mean not the rotating stage but like the set was like rotating around the house yeah it's really yeah really impressive and so we have a beautiful theater here called the fox theater in Mm -hmm. st louis and it is gorgeous it's like a 4500 seater it's big beautiful the interior is all these uh, amazing carved thing you know carved wooden interior and a huge chandelier that like a stained glass style chandelier that hangs over the middle of the auditorium and it is a beautiful if you ever get a chance to visit in st louis uh the fox theater is a gorgeous place to go and see shows and so they have a huge stage too and they're able to fit all that stuff and so i don't know if maybe that is a prerequisite for that tour if they're doing that they probably have to do it in the larger theaters but yeah yeah, there's a very big stage and they're able to do all that and i was so impressed how it rotated to different rooms of the house how you see like the main office or the study where they do the experiments and everything and then it rotates and there's like the bathroom and bedroom and it was it was so cool how she was walking around through a door and the stage rotated and came out in a different room it's just one of the more intricate sets i've seen yeah it's it's really impressive uh just in terms of the stagecraft you know building that and having it look really it felt very seamless the transitions but even just like the actors like having to you know not only walk when the stages or like when the set is like moving which i can't imagine is very easy at first (laughs) but um while also singing and speaking all these very intricate lines and then just remembering kind of like which door to go up and down i mean it's oh my gosh you know i i um i have a very limited history of acting on stage it was my (laughs) high school you know i was one of like four guys i tried out for play so i always got good roles <laughs> but um not, not that's not to say i was a good actor i was just one of a few actors uh, that they well had. more power so, to you i was yeah. always behind the scenes i did yeah. the i did the sound and the lighting stuff okay. when i was that's always, I mean, it was always so impressive though um how much work that goes even in a high school level like it's sure. so much work goes into that and i can't imagine doing that on broadway or on tour oh my so. gosh no especially with the more intricate sets and yeah all, all, i mean they really get so complex with these sets it's impressive what they could do now with all the screens and everything not that my fair lady had a lot of screens but you see yeah. so many tours now that integrate the huge video walls mm-hmm. and they can make the backgrounds that way and everything moves and oh my gosh it's so complicated and i I have the utmost respect for not only the actors who have to sing, dance, walk around rotating stages and all that, but like you said, the craftsmen behind the the stages and the costumes. And I love theater because there's so much that goes yeah. into it and seeing live theater as much as I know that we all love movies, but live theater doing it without, uh, you know, take 50, take take 120. Yeah, right, I mean, right. You're doing it all live. You have to nail it. I think that's so it takes so much skill and to have so many people come together and you know behind the scenes and the actors together it is magic whenever you're seeing live theater so uh it was great i mean speaking of magic i mean one of my favorite live theater experiences was um seeing aladdin on broadway which has i mean 
it felt like magic, honestly. <laughs> like that's the, a fun I mean, show. The the craftsman, the craftsmanship on that show, I mean, is really impressive. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people have a lot of problems with like the D- Disney movies on Broadway, but <laughs> I think that show and The Lion King, especially, I felt like they really put in so much effort to like make it a unique live experience um yes. even with so- and they added new songs they added new characters uh to make it more full but um yeah so it's really you know i'm i'm glad that we were both able to see that production because yeah was, um the production of my fair lady because i think it was a really quite a, a, a unique and exciting experience that um it was it's funny because in having seen the movie so many times i was just used to the way that Rex Harrison does his like speak singing. So when yeah. the actor playing Henry on Broadway, like saying his saying lines, the surprise, it was very I... strange. Cause I was like, <laughs> I'm like, wait, I know all these songs, but they don't sound the, the way that I'm used to hearing them in my head. He's singing. And it, like, yeah. Took me, like it took me like three <laughs> songs to like get onto that wavelength. Um, well, it's and the so songs it's are funny. so, the songs are so good and yeah. as much as i i really like rex harrison in in this role and of course like dr doolittle right, but right. but he is just talking <laughs> yeah. and, and, he's, and he's very good at it but i was thinking the same thing when i had just rewatched it recently i was like man he just he's not really sing-. there's a couple times where you're like oh there it is they're singing like yeah. he interjects a couple little things in there but uh, i mean he he's really good in the role though it and uh i i think the actor that i i don't have his name but who did the national tour i'm not sure if he came from broadway or not but mm-hmm. um he did a fantastic job and i agree with you when i heard some of these songs actually sung in a way that i hadn't heard them before i thought wow these are really good and he nailed it he nailed the character of this guy that yeah. was on the tour uh and the songs were really good and i think even better because you got to hear oh that's how you know that's how the lyrics were meant to be sang and it added more impact to them and just the like the Higgins character, how how arrogant he is and everything. It's, I mean, it's he's quite the character. Let's we'll yeah. just put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Henry Higgins, like I, you know, my, I, I think My Fair Lady. It's it's a movie that I felt like very like a lot of movies that I watched in high school. I think as I watched them and I got older, I got a new perspective on them. Just, I mean, I'm sure it's very similar for you for a lot of movies where you see with a little bit more maturity. And I think when I was younger, I knew that Rex or that Henry Higgins was a very arrogant character, but just like how much the movie is like making fun of him in almost every scene and like humiliating him in every scene. I didn't really, you don't catch it until you're a little older and like, I know guys like that who are yeah. like very just like haughty and and arrogant and, and annoying and um and I think one thing that I really love about this movie is that um or I mean the show in general but the movie in particular is like you know as much as he's talking about like propriety and um you know being like you know he's the one that is like giving Eliza these you know, lessons on how to act in society. In any time he's in society, he cannot act properly. No, he's horrible. That's yeah. yeah you see it time and time again, where uh, it's more like he knows how to speak as yeah. society is supposed to speak at uh, the accepted way, but he has no idea how to dress, how to act, how to speak to another human being. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't conform to any of that, and so it makes sense as to why the character lives alone. He, I mean, aside from all the help that he has, right, but as right. far as relationships uh i i don't see how this person can successfully live in a relationship and that is my one 
gripe with the movie as opposed to what they did with the play, which I'm excited to talk about because I don't like the very, very, very end of the movie. I like the play and how they don't change any lines or anything, but the way they deliver it and the actions they take in the play make they change the ending yeah and and i when i saw it live i was like oh i really like this and i I, you know after everything we go through in this movie over almost three hours in the end it feels a little bit like rushed at the end like okay and happy ending where you're like wait how how did he earn this happy ending like it kind of undermines what we just saw before so that was something i wanted to get into and i'm glad we both seen the play because did you interpret that differently too on on broadway yeah, to me, um, I definitely felt that, yeah, and the ending, like, the way that I kind of read it is that the ending when she comes back, it's like a dream sequence, or like he's yes. imagining her. That's how I read it, too. she changes her outfit, and she's wearing what she wore, I think, like the when she first enters the house, or when yeah, he first see, sees her in Covent Garden. Yeah, and in and, the movie, she's wearing the same outfit from yeah. before, so it's a literal, and because of doing some research, I found out it is literal, which frustrated me, yeah. because after seeing the play, and then going back and watching the movie, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, and I, I definitely, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know what it was like on Broadway when it was first... Uh, you know, when it first premiered way back in the 50s, so I, or 50s or 60s, like, I don't know if the ending was, if they, like, like, I don't know if they changed the ending for the movie because Hollywood wanted a happy romantic ending, or they if did, that's how but, it was. Oh, they did, okay. They did, yeah, so um, when, yeah, when the old movie, well, oh, that's a great question. No, so, you know, so this is based on the play Pygmalion. Right. So in Pygmalion, uh, George Bernard Shaw was very specific about they are not a love interest. This 18-year-old girl and this 40-year-old professor are not right. a love interest. Right. They're, this is a, you know, they're doing the whole challenge, you know, the bet and everything and the experiment. And they're friends. They're, you know, they're you know, supposed to be building towards what would be a friendship. Yeah. But in the end... He is supposed to, I mean, Eliza is supposed to uh, come out above. We end up seeing that she is a better person than Higgins. Right. And and she is not going to be friends with him anymore. She literally won't ever see him again because he doesn't, he hasn't earned her friendship. And uh, and so we see her be the better person. And uh, for the old movie, which was like, I think in the 40s, they ended up, uh, George Bernard Shaw said, "In like to get the rights to make this into a movie, you cannot change any of the dialogue, and that meant he did not want the ending to be changed. So what they did was they took the audio, well, the actor delivered the line in the movie, right. and then they replayed it again on the phonograph or the stenograph or whatever that is. The, they played the recording of her listening, and they were able to use that since they technically weren't adding any lines. They were right, replaying right. an old line. <laughs> they replayed it. Yeah. And then she shows up and she's like, you know, hey, I'm back. And so they wanted that happy ending. And then this movie took that same ending and they only change it slightly to where uh, basically Henry Higgins in the end of the old movie is like in a chair and he hears her and he's like, oh, Eliza, you're back. And then he turns around and the movie ends looking at the back of his head as he turns around in his chair, which is just like a weird shot. Right. And this one, you see a little bit more, you see her and you see him like 
what is he? He puts a book over his head or whatever he does. Yeah, yeah, down over his head. Had, yeah. Uh, but it's the same thing, you know. Where are my slippers? Um, so it's for the movie. It's for Hollywood. Lerner and Lowe didn't want to. They they didn't like George Bernard Shaw's ending. Um, the guy that directed the original movie didn't like that ending. They wanted it, and so I guess they were stuck in a time period where these movies wanted happy endings, especially musicals, right? Like most musicals do not end on a downbeat. And so they changed that for the movies. And it's really frustrating because in Pygmalion, which is like, I think from 1912, right. um, you know, all the way from back then when he wrote, and, and, and this is based on a Greek myth as well. So he adapted it into Pygmalion was super successful. And then um, he had intended the movie is supposed to end with them not being together romantically and not being friends. They, they, she, she left and said, you're not going to see me again. And it's really frustrating to me that they changed the intention of it. And especially when the author was so specific about do not change this ending because, you know, that he passed away, of course, and then, you know, he couldn't, argue for it anymore and it just kind of got lost in translation and right, now right. now most people know this hollywood ending but that's what they were trying to do i believe with the show that you you and i saw right. is they went back and and uh you know took ownership of that original intention for the characters and so once again even though they don't change any of the lines she uh the way that the line is delivered to her about like you know eliza you're back or where are my slippers it isn't like in a pompous way it's more in a like oh i've maybe earned this like i've thought about this and i'm glad you're back and realize the error of my ways and then she walks off so yeah so whether it's a dream or not she still is walking away which clearly shows you that she has that agency um so again i I know we've skipped way ahead but like that is my biggest complaint the movie has so many great songs i like the performances the costumes it's it's really fun movie but that ending just sticks in my craw like oh he does not deserve Eliza, especially in a romantic way, because what is she coming back to? He's never going to change. He said he'll never change. Right. And so it frustrates me. And maybe you have some kind of different reader interpretation, but no, to I me, mean, it's frustrating. I, I'm okay with the happy ending or like the romantic ending, not because I think it's earned or anything. It's just like, it's like the first ending I know. So like mm. I've seen the movie way before I saw Pygmalion. I mean, I saw the movie yeah. version of Pygmalion with, uh, I think Leslie Howard, I believe. I mean, I've seen that yeah. uh, as an adult and I've not now seen the, the the broader revival but like this romantic ending is the only one that I know sure. at least the, the one that I know the, the best or the most and most people do most. right so like yeah. I, it's like you know I'm kind of like I see why they would want I, I can see why like Hollywood standards for the time or like musical standards for the time would yeah. kind of dictate that and like whatever I made my piece with it I mean Sure. I think I, I think Henry Higgins is an arrogant person, but I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's just a little too full of himself. And oh. I think Eliza, having now that she has more confidence and now that she has more self-awareness and more um, self-assuredness, I think she can challenge him more and possibly get him to change. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, yeah. the movie doesn't end on their wedding, so I'm also kind of like, it's romantic ending, but it's also <laughs> like, there's it's kind of an, an ellipsis. You know. you know what I would love to see is the way that she stands up to him. I, I know we're going backwards, and so yeah. I'll, stop, I'll stop doing this after this. But yeah, but uh, I I would love it if the way that she stood up up to him at the mom's house, and then when she comes back, I would love if you saw her like talking to him, like, "Yeah, we're not. I'm not putting up with this crap anymore. Yeah, like, yeah. If we're no. gonna do this, you know, we're on equal footing." Which that's the thing where I'm like, 
given the history and the power dynamics and everything, I don't know how they could ever really be on equal footing with right. his personality and everything. Right. But if they were going to, and we have to have the romantic ending, it's like, I want to see some more of that Eliza. Cause she proved she can do it. And yeah. I think you could also interpret that that's how it's going to be. Like you said, but I would have loved to have just seen that in the movie a little bit to, I just want Henry Higgins to realize kind of the error of his ways and that Eliza is a person and needs to be treated with respect, yeah. whether, whether you come from money and she was a flower girl, like, you know, you two have lived together and you've seen that it doesn't matter where you come from, that she's, she's a human and you appreciated her for, for everything that she brings to your life. And so I just want a little bit more of that said, but it can be interpreted too. Yeah. So, yeah. Know. You know, one thing I love about Eliza is how much she is uh, very, like, um, I think she's like, actually a very self-aware person, even from the beginning. And, yeah. that, you know, she's she's always kind of stating her boundaries. She's always, like, the movie's always on her side. And when whenever he's, you know, kind of mistreating her or being a little harsh on her or challenging her too much, the movie's always on her side of saying, like, oh, like, we're laughing because like, it's so ridiculous of how, like how little he thinks of her as a human being, you know, in a, in a way. And, or, yeah. and more in that, like, he's so like self-involved and like, even like, you know, the servants when they're having their, you know, their, their little song of like the irony is that like, we sympathize with Eliza because we know that like, she's, you know, she's suffering through these lessons and no one is really like the comedy is just like, no one's really like, um, everyone's just always kind of enabling Henry Higgins and though like she's ultimately, she comes out on top, especially in the second half of the movie and how like all of this is like, you know, her, you know, like Henry Higgins and Colonel Pickering, like they, they have this, their little bet in the, uh, or they have their, you know, talk about Eliza when they first meet her, but they kind of forget about it. And she's the one that actually has the agency to, say like oh i actually want to better my life and i actually want some kind of respect some kind of dignity some kind of profession for myself and she goes to him and she you know i think this movie shows i shows that like she's not like a you know a like withering little flower that can't take care of herself i think that like she goes through all this stuff because she wants to change herself she wants to get better she wants to rise up through these like society classes and that like a lot of the comedy comes to the fact that like she is um you know she's she's trying hard and she's getting she's almost getting it right and that like you know, i i feel like this movie is actually really sympathetic and empathetic to eliza and i think even when like you know she's having like a lot of even when she's like swallowing the marble or like when he's not feeding her the cake it's like we empathize with her and it's sort of this like comedy of manners of like this is just um I feel like we're like on her side with that. We understand that like it's it's like not fair, but it's like played for laughs in a way. Yeah, it's the the great thing about the movie. This movie in modern times would not play well at all if <laughs> we're supposed to sympathize with Henry Higgins. If you were right. on his side, the yeah. whole point is that he's wrong. It's right. funny because of how ridiculous he is, and yeah. and it's never you're never put in the position of going like, yeah, that Henry Higgins is the man. Like this is exactly how 
like Eliza needs to wisen up and listen to him. Like the whole time you're like, this guy is horrible. He's arrogant and pompous. And he again, acts like high society. No, he thinks of himself as high society and dignified. And then he goes out in public and he can't dress the part. He doesn't know what to say. He doesn't, he doesn't have the manners. Like when they go to the races and he talks to that one lady and he's just basically like, okay, yeah, see you later. Like he just, (laughs) he doesn't know how to speak with other human beings. And even his mother, you know, whenever he, shows up in these different scenes she's like oh god you got to get out of here like i can't have high society in here with you right like, yeah this isn't like, gonna work like because i've read a lot of reviews that like are really like kind of harsh on this movie because of the dynamic between eliza and henry higgins and like okay sure like on the surface yeah like obviously like it's not cool that he's like you know so like hostile like so like harsh with her but also i'm like he's harsh to everyone and like no one likes him <laughs> Well, and and what I really think is interesting about this, and I wish, see, I wish if you gave the movie a happy ending that you would show Henry Higgins learning a little bit, because in that in that penultimate scene, whenever they're at the mother's house again, sorry to jump ahead, but the uh, when when he basically says, "No, I'm not mean to you. I'm mean to everyone. Like it's not. Am I mean to you? But have you ever heard me speak nicer to other people? So it's the treat everyone equally but he gets it th- he interprets it the wrong way it's not treat, right not treat yeah. everyone equally crappy treat everyone equally nicely like he yeah i, I just wish there was a little more self-awareness he yeah, yeah yeah but he's saying it and we hear him saying it and it's ridiculous and eliza totally lays it out like i love the upper hand she has in that whole scene um you know and she just keeps making a fool of him and all the things that, she, that he's taught her she's now using against him and he just goes like a baby to his corner <laughs> he's just like that's um that's probably my favorite song in the movie without you is yeah her breakup song i think it's very fun it's like very brutal oh my <laughs> gosh i love it i know because i was watching it with my wife this last time around and uh, she was just like oh my she was getting so mad at henry higgins because she didn't yeah. know the movie or the show or anything. right right he was getting so mad at him the whole time which i could totally see if you've never seen it before and it's your first time with a modern eye like I, it's, you know, it's, again, he's like, annoying. Yeah, well, he's, he's a, hard he's, to watch. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's not nice and 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 treating her poorly. And so, but I love it with that song when she's saying how every the world will not stop spinning without him. Basically, like I love it. All those it's little cuts. So and, good. And and that's when it's like I wish I'm like wake up, Henry Higgins. <laughs> you yeah. Know, wake, <laughs> wake up and hear this. Like you, the world does not revolve around you. Um, you know. And so I I hope again like my little story after. The, you know, after the credits roll, I hope that he does take some of those things into uh, consideration and yeah. be- and because of her new agency and she's willing to s- stand up to him and not put up with as much stuff. Hopefully, I, I, are- I, I like to think so, too, because I think that she is now like she's at the peak of her powers. Yeah. As someone, you know, she's I think she always had the smarts to her. She always had the like um, the strength in her. But I think now she fully believes in it herself and she is is strong enough to walk away from him once and I think she can you know she'll always have that that with her and that um I mean I just I love Eliza as a character I mean I think yeah. she every time I watch this movie the more I feel that she really is um has a really strong spine and I I I I think that like she really develops her agency throughout the movie and um I mean it's 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 funny because like the however impressive she is at the you know at, at the embassy ball or whatever it's really just her own natural charm and 
you know, because she didn't learn that from Henry. Who'd she learn that from? She just had it in her, you know, and yeah, she just like this, the, you know, as you know, she was the one that like, you know, he can teach her whatever he wants to teach her, but like, she has to like learn it and internalize it and like act it out and like be that, you know, she, she, she you know, it's funny because like another part of me I really like is when they come back home and he and Pickering are both like just so bored with it all. And she's just like, what's what's to become of me? Like, I won your bet. And now like, what's what's now like, where do I belong in the society? Because I can't go back to being a flower girl in Covent Garden. And I can't I don't actually belong in this high society. Like what she has this like crisis of like her identity and her place. And I think it's really I think one of my favorite moments is how much she's just like lashing out at him because she has no idea like what what her, what her future holds. And I think it's a really strong moment for her of really kind of understanding her own agency and her own place in this new world that she's a part of. Yeah, it's really heartbreaking. Uh, yeah. And what you said is spot on with her. Uh, she's the one that achieved this. And that's the entire purpose of that song. You know, you did it is yeah. that. I mean, they didn't do it, right? Like, they did nothing. You can, you can, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's impressive that Henry Higgins is a skilled enough professor of linguistics that he can teach someone to speak really well. I get that they pulled the wool over all the people's eyes at the ball and all that yeah. stuff, but not everyone could do that. Eliza Doolittle did it because of who she is, like you said, despite their help. And yes, they did assist, but not everyone could pull that off in only six months of training. And Eliza, because of the traits that she brought to the table, you see them in the beginning of the movie. You see she's able to stand up to her father, who the father thinks that he owns her and I raised her and I gave her yeah. life and she's going to give me money. And she's just like, you know, no, I'm, I'm not going to put up with your crap. You know, she doesn't put up with stuff from, from all the people that she runs into. So she already has that confidence and everything. Uh, she only really starts to doubt herself when she's out of her element and it's overwhelming for her to come into Higgins's world and his house and his servants and everything. And that would be intimidating, but yeah. it's, it's still Eliza in there that has the confidence that is able to take these things she's learning and apply them. And that's what's so heartbreaking about after the ball when they're celebrating and she's back there and they don't even say a word to her when yeah. it's like, no, you did it. Eliza did it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and again, that's the whole point of the song, but it is such a heartbreaking moment. And I think Audrey Hepburn does a great job with, with this, um, I really like her in the role. Me too. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think she does a great job. Uh, the only thing is, I'm such a Julie Andrews fan and I love the sound of music. Yeah. I love Mary Poppins. And I just have to say, whoever made the decision, like Audrey Hepburn aside, whoever made the decision not to cast Julie Andrews just because she wasn't a film actor, like she went and won the Oscar for best actress in the same year as My Fair Lady. So, like, you know, you made a mistake because Julianne. I know, but you know, done it all. <laughs> I know. I just wish it wasn't such a like. I don't. know. I felt like uh, that was a lot of spite towards Audrey Hepburn. I mean, I love Julie Andrews too. Like, who doesn't? Like, yeah, grew right. up with Sound of Music. Grew up with Mary Poppins. Like, Sound of Music is one of my favorite. Yeah, mu I mean, same movie here. musicals like, all I, time. Yeah. I love the Sound of Music. I think it's a really perfect movie musical. Yeah. Um, it's. I, it's the kind of movie musical where, like, when you watch it on stage, like, I've never, I've, I've seen it in, like, community theater, yeah. and it's so different on stage, because, like, they really rearrange the songs, and 
um it's uh yeah when you get the goat herd song straight, really yeah. like so right. earlier and it comes in so randomly you're like wait a minute no that's not supposed to be there and like if i recall correctly i think like the um like the mother superior sings my favorite things to yep. maria it's just like it it it, the movie is just so perfect that it doesn't it, work it is way. perfect but you i know? will say i have seen the national tour of the revival at least two times and okay. i've seen a really really good regional production if you see a good if they do a good production of it the original arrangement of the songs and everything it works really well it does so okay I, that's good so to know. so i mean i'm yeah. not saying i'm not trying to like talk down community <laughs> theater or whatever anything no, but no, I know. i'm just saying when you see like the national tour or we have uh one of we have the oldest outdoor theater in the country called the muni they're 104 years old they've been putting on you know, incredible productions and they did a sound of music and that was magnificent. And so I've seen it through several really, really good productions and uh, they capture a lot of the magic of what you see in the movie. And you're right. The movie's perfect. I, I really don't think you can outdo the movie. Like the movie, I've never seen the old version of the play, obviously, but like whatever right. the old, like uh, the Mary Martin version, let's, I, I never saw that. I've right, heard the recordings, right. but like, I can't imagine it was as good as the movie. I think the movie is an improvement on the original, not saying the original is bad, but you know what I mean? I think they took good yeah, and made yeah. it better. Right. And I don't think the, uh, the play is ever going to be as good, especially of course, with all their nostalgia for it, but it is still a really good play and you can see why it translated to film so well and the magic of it all. Um, but, but anyway, the point is back to um, Julie Andrews. It's just, I feel bad. I don't, you know, Julie Andrews is doing okay, but she's so talented and was such an amazing, just, uh, you know, force of nature on Broadway. And it was her role on Broadway. And the fact that the producers of the film were like, you're not a movie star. We're not going to go with you. That, I mean, now it's okay. And she can look back and laugh at it. And, you know, she went and did the sound of music and Mary Poppins, like Mary Poppins was her first ever movie role. Yeah. She won the Oscar. She won the Oscar that like, you know, she kind of won that little battle. I mean, she did, but it's like, so, so like Jack Warner, you know, kind of started. So, yeah. So it's like, I'm not crying for, and now again, like she can look back, but think about it. If she originated that role, and you were so yeah, good and they yeah. said you're not good enough for the movie that's sad so like i just i i don't know i i i guess i kind of wonder what that version would be and 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 i mean in this version am i correct in that audrey hepburn like took singing lessons and wanted to do her own singing and then they just dubbed yeah, her over what, what i remember hearing from like you know when i was when i was in high school i watched every feature on the dvd yeah. you know and what i remember hearing is that you know, she trained as much as she could. You know, mm-hmm. I think the songs were just a little bit beyond her natural ability. Um, and, you know, who could have done it is Julie Andrews. Well, ah, yeah, she's been alive. <laughs> um, and I agree. I mean, I would love to have seen Julie Andrews play I the know. role. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately, like, um, I think Audrey Hepburn was so disappointed that she couldn't, that they didn't let her sing. I don't, I, if I recall correctly, I don't think they even told her that they were. I think um, she did the whole thing thinking she was doing it. Yeah. And they uh, that's what I'm saying. So it's like, oh, it's so frustrating. And again, that breaks my heart for her because that, you know, she's Aubrey Hepburn. Like, we always have to, like, when I say heartbroken, like, you know, she did all right. But yeah. still, I just have to think from her shoes, like, yes, yeah, she, tra- she did all that training. She performed it. And then had to find out later, yeah, we're dubbing you over. Where it's like, well, that stinks because obviously they didn't know at the time, but we know 
Julie Andrews could clearly act and sing Sing, and would have been amazing. So like, that's why I'm kind of curious, like, oh man, I think that would have been perfect. But with all that being said, I think Audrey Hepburn does a phenomenal job acting and her performance is really good. Very, she's very funny. Um, like very the physical loud, comedy loud physical with, with the, is... the marbles and stuff like you said like the physical comedy is really good i mean i love that whole month that whole like poor professor higgins montage i think she's oh. hysterical in that <laughs> i think she's hysterical when they're trying to give her a bath and she's like yeah you know like i mean every time she says i'm a good girl i am it's just so it's so yeah. funny it's so it's so charming and it is like she does sing a little bit in like just you wait i think yeah. and like um, I think the DVD also has her like original vocals for some of the songs and like, okay, okay maybe she doesn't sound like Julie Andrews would have, but like to my untrained ear, she sounds fine. And I think, I know, like, they, yeah. And like, I think the, the problem that I have with the dubbing isn't that she was dubbed. I mean, everyone was dubbed back then. Like, Except um, for Rex Harrison. I think he, Harrison. he he would not do it unless they let him sing live. He refused to dub it because I think he said that it, he would sing it differently every time like there's no way he would hit hit it you yeah know, sing it the same like, way twice like, yeah i mean because he's not singing it right he's like speak yeah. singing it so i feel so like there has little... to be some kind of like, spontaneity to it which i totally can yeah. see and he's like, rex harrison so they're rex like harrison, okay well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right um i always think of him as julius caesar from the cleopatra movie with yeah. uh, elizabeth taylor that's the first time i ever saw him um and i strangely loved that movie that's another, that's okay. another movie i saw when i was 12 but i was just gotcha. like oh my god wow for me i <laughs> think know? it was dr doolittle first Doctor Doolittle, yeah that's a great movie too i i, I really uh, there's some weird stuff in that movie but i yeah. do like <laughs> i do i do like a lot of those songs and um that movie is so impressive because the animals yeah. are real like yeah, it's when crazy. you when you look at the new one which is a travesty i mean hopefully you don't love that movie the rock no, 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 one i don't think i even saw it okay yeah. it, it's not good but when you and they're all CG and everything and if you go back and watch the original you're like oh my god how did they get so many animals yeah. in the same place yeah. <laughs> and like it's it's just the logistics of it from a technical perspective I think is insane and impressive like even if he's not doing the best job singing or whatever it's like oh my god there's a hundred animals in the right, same room like, right. I, again probably not humane by these days I was going to say like, all that, I'm but sure it's an animal rights disaster <laughs> it was a different time though right it's a different so, like, time. We can't, yeah. you know, but like it's impressive that they even made it happen and yeah. um, it, it's a very fun movie and he does a great job in it so um, I always think of him as that but he is a really good Henry Higgins like the character is a jerk and and but that's the point of the way it's written yeah. and he's supposed to um, you know he's he's supposed to have all these uh you know the the pompous nature and the i'm better than you and the classism and all that like that's his character and you're supposed to realize obviously uh that eliza it doesn't matter if she's just this this poor flower girl like she is a great person and he whether he wants to accept it or not or if whether or not he realizes it like clearly she has made his life better and um it doesn't matter where she's from like she has added you know, life to to him, and and brought so many positive things, and he realizes that. I mean, he says he can he get along without her, but he can't clearly. And uh, yeah, and and so anyway, but you're right, and a lot of that is due to Aubrey Hepburn's uh, performance, and she she really captures the character well. She's so likable and charming, and uh, you know, it, it is so funny all those moments during the training, which is like horrific by like from a human perspective of someone like doing this grueling training for 12, like 
what Higgins puts her through is horrible, but yeah, with it, the way that it's played for comedy and everything, like she does a great job with it. And, and then when she goes to the um, upscale stuff, right. When she, when she, you know, dresses up for the first time and goes out yeah. to the whole, the, the races, race. and, yeah, that's the way so she good. carries herself. Oh my gosh. And, and talk about comedy. Yeah. That's one of the funniest moments to me when she's sitting and the whole, you know, I think, I think they done her in Yeah, <laughs> the whole dialogue, the way it's written in her, the way she delivers it, like looking out like the side of her eyes, you know, she's got the big and hat on the voice. Side. Yeah. and the voice about done her in and then all the society <laughs> people being like, you think you think you think that someone killed her? And, and I can't even do it justice, but like just the way she delivers those lines and that someone pinched the hat that was supposed to go to her. Um, and then, of course, when the horses all fly by and she and she's yelling at him and everything. Oh, my God. Hilarious. And but, and yet it's so funny. You can totally see why Freddie would just fall in love with her instantly because she just there's some like, you know, Audrey Hepburn, like she's just one of those actors that are just like, I mean, you fall in love with her in every movie she's ever done. Like, I love her in, you know, Breakfast at Tiffany's and Sabrina mm-hmm. and Funny Face and um, all these movies. And um, I just like it's so it's like she's being so ridiculous, but it's also very endearing. It's very yeah. you know, easy to fall in love with her. Um, and, you know, I love Freddie. If I were to ever, like, I also, like, fantasize about, like, my school doing My Fair Lady um, in high school. We never had the bu- budget for something this popular. We just, like, could never get the rights for any popular musical. <laughs> so, but I would love to have either played Henry Higgins, because, like, I loved wow. Henry Higgins when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, and, uh, or Freddie. Because he had just had the one song and it was well, like no scenes, like very few scenes of you. But well, let me ask you about this. So since you're since you like to analyze things from a romantic view, Freddie's song is so romantic and his character is so romantic. I mean, don't you want her to end up with Freddie? Like he don't because in in a standard story or you know in your typical story, not saying everything should be typical, but I just mean that like he's the guy that has no money, but he has love and he treats her well and cares yeah. about her. And Henry Higgins has money and can give her things, and maybe he'll change his ways, but maybe not. He says in the scene before he won't ever change. So like, do you don't you really want to see her with Freddie? Uh, yeah, I I do, and I like Freddie, and I like that, you know, when she's kind of taunting him about taunting Henry about Freddie, and she's like, "I'll marry Freddie, and I'll work." He's not he wasn't born to work <laughs> like I was, which is a really funny line. It is. I like I, I think she they they I, it would have been uh it would have been romantic, and I think it would have been, but then also like who actually deserves someone like Eliza? I mean, she's so like. Does anyone, know. you know, like she's that's so, true. such a one she's such a like brilliant character and she's so impressive and and charming and beautiful and funny. Uh, but yeah, I definitely can see it. I think that it would have, you know, but he's kind of a man child too. If, I mean that, you know, that he's very well, boyish and I want like they don't show you that's I think that's the problem is that they don't give you they don't show you a lot of negatives for Freddie. Yeah, so yeah. You, you see the way he acts. And to me, that's the romantic way that I would want a suitor to act. Yeah. And uh, you're but you're told that he doesn't work. And so if they were to show you some negatives about Freddie, yeah. then maybe you wouldn't I wouldn't cling on to that. Like, oh, I want her to be with Freddie. Like they should have given him some negatives. But all you see is him being charming and very yeah, friendly and very, into yeah. her. 
at the races and then he makes the grand romantic gesture and the song is so good and it's a beautiful oh, yeah. beautifully it's written song. song with the lyrics yeah. and and you know it basically saying that like the street was nothing but the street where you live is so romantic and everything is better because you live here like that is such a romantic song i love it so much and yeah. i'm gonna sit out here and wait for you which i know by today's standards sounds stalkerish but you know obviously back in that time it plays a lot more romantic and i mean not- that yeah i imagine like it wasn't like he, he could run into her like a coffee shop you know yeah. and he couldn't like ask her out like he would only be able to talk to her at events that they would be invited to or yeah you'd have to just like run into her on the i mean the stalker stuff i'm never one to care about that kind of thing when it comes to romance movies because it's like it's all it's, any it's, romantic it's an, gesture would be stalkerish if you really think about it yeah right? exactly like, it's i mean such it, a like you can't <laughs> Yeah, I know. Uh, so, so anyway, so all that stuff aside, and again, different time. This is nineteen twelve. Right. Like, right, I mean, right. it's a totally different time. And to me, I take it as this grand romantic gesture. It's like, oh, I want her to be with him, but like, oh, and that's, and I love again. This shows her agency, especially with all the things she's learned. I love it. Um, her whole like, don't just talk. You know, show me. I love right. that. Show yeah. me you care about me. You know, kiss me, hold me, show me. Uh, I think that's so cool. Like, because talk is cheap, right? Like, anyone right. can say anything. Actions speak louder than words. So I love their interaction together. So after all that, and, you know, and he gets the taxi and waits for it and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So no, I mean, I don't for know. sure. There's definitely, like, there's definitely, I think the, the dichotomy between Henry and Friday is very it's a very wide gap between them. Yeah. And I think Freddie is more romantic. He's obviously he's her age or he's, you know, he's age appropriate. <laughs> he seems to be, I think he would like literally fall to her feet every day of their yeah. married life, which I bet then I wonder if like Eliza would get bored of that, you know? So what you're he's, saying, so what you're saying is they need to be in a throuple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we can have Freddie for the romance and Higgins for whatever, you know, for the intellectual discussion the intellectual yeah exactly yeah (laughs) but yeah we need like a hybrid of them i I think that's the fan fiction that i'm gonna write tonight (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) my fair lady fan fiction oh my goodness my fair lady and gentleman yes exactly so uh but yeah i i i this this is such a good movie with so many good songs and performances It, it, it is really fun and i only nitpick at the end because it's just something that i've thought about more and yeah. more since i saw I mean, the live for sure. show there's definitely i mean the live show i think really is able to like thread the needle between what pygmalion yeah. was like and what the, the the movie or like the original stage show was like i think it, it's i think that choice in that revival i think should be like adapted into future like community productions yeah right future revivals i think it was really smart because it, it really, it leaves the door open and you can interpret it different ways. In this case, I yeah. like it to be open to interpretation. I mean, if she didn't go back to him, I'd be fine with it. I'm just saying, because I I personally don't think that he deserves Eliza no, with no. the way he's acting. Yeah. So, but with that being said, with the way the revival works, why would she come back just to leave? If it's not a dream, she still comes back to walk away. So that seems weird. So you can say, oh, it's it's just a dream. Or you can say she's back, but she's just like walking to the other room. Like, you know, I'm deciding to go to bed. I'll see you later or something. You know, like you can interpret it different ways where I like, yeah, so I like you to be able to. This was like three and a half years ago. But yeah. did she like, like, she like walked off the like, the set of the house through the audience i think right yeah she walked out through the audience which to me was like um like she broke the walls of the house 
right? Yeah, right. And then not only that, but then she like walked, I think, off stage, like through the audience. So to me, that was like very much a dream sequence because she's like breaking the rules of like, you know, of the, the fourth wall of the play. Yeah, I read it as stage. a dream. I'm glad yeah. you said that because I wanted to hear your interpretation before I said anything. So when you <laughs> said dream, because I told my wife the same thing. I go, I, it's a dream sequence. And in my head, the movie's a dream sequence too. I've, I that is canon for me. Yeah, um, that they I don't end up together. Yeah, just because I like that. But doing the reading and seeing that Lur and Lowe were like, yeah, we wanted the happy ending. So like, I know that the artists didn't, you know. But you know, it's art, right? It's open to interpretation. So even if they intended it that way, I'm going to read it the other way. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I, I think the ending, even in the movie, is just ambiguous enough. Um, or just, you know, like I said, doesn't end on a wedding, doesn't end on a kiss, doesn't end, you know. And the way he doesn't look at her, I really yeah. can, I, again, I can, regardless of what the artist said they were trying to do, I, I and maybe, maybe they kind of sneakily left it open, but he doesn't look at her it, like he's either so assured of himself and so confident that he's like, hi, I knew she'd be back. Let me put my hat down and get me my slippers. Like he's either yeah. that confident and, or he's dreaming because yeah. you see him put the hat down and he's falling asleep to me, even though you see her pick up the phonograph and say the lines, that's to me, him dreaming that she's back. You know, he fell asleep listening to the recording. So now in his dream, she's walking back in and yeah. Oh, I'm Henry Higgins. Of course she came back to me. So that's my read on it. Anyway, I think that's a very valid read. I, I support it. I feel like I want to watch the movie or watch the ending with that in mind. Cause yeah. I, I like that a lot. Um, so what are some of your favorite like songs in the film or sequences or, or lines sure. or anything else you want to kind of give a shout out to? Yeah. So I love, like I said before, I love almost all the songs in the movie. I, well, I really, I mean, I can't say I hate any of the songs, but I really love a lot of them. Um, I, I like the, the, the first song, uh, that Henry Higgins sings, uh, you know, why can't the English speak? Yeah. What, what's the name of that song? Well, yeah. Why can't the English learn to speak, learn to speak. Okay. Uh, I, I really like that song. I think it's funny. I think the lyrics are really clever in that song. So I, I enjoy that. I think that's a great song to get the comedy started, get the tone of the film, understand the character of Henry Higgins. Um, I, I like, um, I like a lot of Henry Higgins songs, actually. I, I think it, because the character is so funny, you spoke about the humor of that character and, and Rex Harrison is so good in the role that I really love most of his songs. So, um, when he's singing the song about, uh, an ordinary man, I mean, that is very funny, yeah. uh, because again, it's just like Henry Higgins is this perpetual bachelor and he doesn't think he needs a relationship isn't looking for anything and just the way that he speaks about how a woman is going to come into your like it's so ridiculous and again like you're not supposed to agree with him he's absurd in his beliefs I mean, but <laughs> the thing is like you know he like he thinks of women as like irrational or what hysterical or whatever but like the why that's such a great song is because the irony is that every woman in the movie is very rational <laughs> and self-assured and confident and charming. And he's the one that is like cracking up, like laughing out loud, like Bella laughs at this like quiet, somber embassy ball. He's the one that's making a fool of himself at the Ascot yeah. Gavat. He's the one who is like screaming and like yelling at everything. And like, you know, his mother, his, his housekeeper, Eliza, 
these um even like freddie's mom and the the people at the like even the like the snobby rich people at the race like the way they talk to eliza is like they're very just like they're not like you know yelling at her they're not throwing her out they're just like confused but they're like still very polite so i'm like you're the one that is causing yourself eternal strife bingo he (laughs) you know he's he lacks all self-awareness he's so not self-aware and like um like one of my favorite sitcoms is frazier yeah like i've always would have loved to see kelsey Grammer do a revival of my fair lady because i Uh think he would have been like especially in his like you know, the early days of Frasier because, like, he had, like, Frasier, and Frasier is definitely more self-aware, but that's because it's an 11-season show. Right. Not, you know, three-hour movie, but... He'd be really good in that role, I think. He'd be good at it, and, like, it's that same kind of thing of, like, you know, for all of your education, your degrees, your experience, you just lack these very, like, common social etiquette. Yeah. And to me, the, the irony of that, the juxtaposition of that is very funny because I think it's very clear in the movie that we're supposed to be laughing at Henry Higgins at all mm-hmm. times. Well, and you see it through the interaction. Again, that last scene, I love the yeah. way the tables have turned. Yeah. But the mother is taking Eliza in. The mother would much rather converse and interact with Eliza than her own son. Yeah, exactly. Her son, who is supposed to be this, you know, this distinguished professor. And yes, he is good at linguistics and understanding things, but he lacks all social etiquette and he doesn't dress up or play the part or people don't generally, I mean, he doesn't enjoy interacting with people and they don't enjoy interacting with him. Right. He lacks all decorum. So, I, I love seeing the way the mother interacts with Eliza. And then even the mother gives him that sick burn at the end. I would stick to two things. <laughs> <laughs> like that is such a great line. And, and it's great because again, you see that Henry Higgins is as proper and distinguished as he thinks he is. Eliza in this six month period has already surpassed him on all these social skills yeah, and right. people enjoy being with her even back at the race, like you also said earlier, they enjoy speaking with her and Henry Higgins is like, Oh no. And covering his eyes and walking away. And Oh my gosh. And then all these people think she's just kind of delightful. Like, yeah, it, like quirky. <laughs> I mean, when you're rich, you can be a little quirky, you know? And I feel yeah. like they just assume she has money and that's why she's being very like quirky. <laughs> right. right. You know? Exactly. So um, I, as far as other fun songs though, the rain in Spain is joyous. It, yeah. Uh, it really reminds me of uh, good morning and, oh, and yeah, singing in the yeah. rain. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a very three people and they're all dancing dancing together and the way that it even kind of breaks up at the end i'm like this is so much like good morning and that is you cannot help but to smile ear to ear with good morning and so that's very reminiscent a very happy song with the dancing and everything and then i could have danced all night is like this very romantic and like eliza's happy she's finally for the first time really truly happy to be in this situation and she thinks that she's enjoying it and, and and actually enjoying being with the two of them and thinks that they're enjoying time with her uh which pickering obviously is and um higgins in his own way like I, again, I believe that he is enjoying her there. And by the end of the movie, clearly we see that he does need her or want her to be around. But, um, you know, I think that she thinks that I think that she thinks that by doing that whole dance thing with the rain in Spain, that, uh, that he's showing her that affection, which I think she kind of misreads, but yeah, the joy that she brings from it is infectious with that song. So I really love that. And then, um, uh, the, the street where we live again with 
Freddie. I think that's just magnificently romantic. You know, one of my favorite songs yeah. for sure. Uh, and show me and that whole, the show me thing is I think hysterical again. And Audrey Hepburn through her, like f- her physical performance in that scene, she's like pushing him over trash cans and stuff. Like, yeah, uh, she's so forceful in that not in a bad way, but like, again, with the agency and the, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, a person like I'm, I'm a human that demands respect and dignity and someone to care for me. And like, I don't need you to take care of me. I just want you to show me that you want me and love me. And uh, I I love that whole performance that she gives. Um, So those are some of my favorites, but again, it's like banger after banger in this musical really is one of the great musicals. Yeah. You you really hit on like a lot of the, a lot of my own favorite moments. Um, I, especially, I love, I could have danced all night and I, again, it's, you know, I love that Henry Higgins shows some kind of affection and warmth to her. And, um, and uh, yeah, I just think it's very, just like, it's very infectious. And like the comparison good morning is really, really good too, because it's also about like in singing in the rain, they have this like breakthrough about making it like a musical. Yeah. And it's, it's at like, you know, 3am feeling when you've like cracked something that you can't, that you've been working hard yeah. on. Um, and so, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think for like my final thoughts, like I just like really enjoy this movie. I've seen it so many times as, as a kid or like in high school and, and now, and I, I enjoy it, you know, um, it has one of my favorite musical tropes, which also West Side Story has. And I, I think even like the sound of music where it's like the first act is like six months or whatever. And then act two is like 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. it's just, it's a very strange musical trope that happens in a lot of musicals and it's very funny to me well um, this does this this seriously does one of the most interesting smash cuts to six months later yeah, right. it is the comedy of it is very funny when yeah, Pickering yeah. is like i'm out i'm done the bet is over i will not be a part of this and then they're all and then they just cut and they're dressed in tuxedos and they're ready to go to the ball right. and then they're and then and then they remind the audience oh yes that was a great six months of training like, right right pretty uh, funny how they jump but I, I do think it's very effective with the use of comedy i got yeah. a really good laugh out of the i'll never do this and then now i'm in a different outfit clearly doing the thing it's so always it's always a good joke anytime yeah. any comedy does that I mean, I think this movie is a lot, is really funny. Like, I was like it laughing is. out loud with this movie. I, I feel like I laugh every time I watch it. Um, again, like I said, what, what my, oh, like one of my favorite parts is like how they're so obsessed with women's fashion. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And they're like, oh, we should have taken Eliza to get when, her dress that, made. That is hilarious. And I and especially I think like in an in an old like this movie being older, like that humor just I it it seems more modern. There's a modern sensibility about yeah, it. Yeah. But the way that these two guys are talking about what dress she should wear, and then you're right, they ultimately cut to they went out together and bought this dress. And where where is she? Oh, she's being pinned up. You know, they're pinning it up because she didn't go to, to get, yeah. get it fit like i think it's so this, hilarious this movie does a really good job of like that ironic juxtaposition you know like yeah. you know with the, the servant song like you know they're saying oh henry higgins you you're not eating you're not sleeping and he's like napping and eating on cakes so, yeah you know it's just like this movie does a really good job of that kind of like that kind of like ironic comedy and i, I think it feels very fresh and yeah. modern and, and i think it holds up pretty well if you can kind of look past like the 2022 of it all like if you can you, ha- you have it's to, like yeah. i you know i to me i'm like this movie was made in the 60s takes place even earlier than that like right. just, the the humor is that like 
we're on Eliza's side, even when he's Henry Higgins is being very brutish, you know, and, and obnoxious. We're on her side. And the funny is that, like, it's so exaggerated, you know? Yeah, I think the only thing that that hurts this movie with a modern eye for new audiences that will approach it is that ending. If you think that yeah. Eliza goes back to him after the way he's treated her and just said, I'm never going to change and and treats her so terribly and then she comes back to fetch his slippers for him like it just it threw a modern eye yeah, that's very yeah. hard to stomach and knowing the source material knowing the author that created the show and even he even george bernard shaw even wrote the screenplay for the original movie so like he was heavily involved in the story and the way he wanted it to go and and uh, you can see like he had this like all the versions are very similar so they were very true to it from all the different versions of the story since pygmalion to again his screenplay that he wrote for for the um you know the original movie like you can see all these things that they're very faithful to but uh the ending can be seen as undermining it if you are to uh literally interpret it as she goes back even after all the things she's learned yeah so mm-hmm. uh, i think people will have trouble through with that through a modern eye because all the other things, like you said, set up Henry Higgins to be the butt of the joke. You're not supposed to be on his side. It's um, it, it's something you see a lot of times that I think people misinterpret, like whether it be like through Blazing Saddles and that comedy, like the reason why you can still watch that movie today is you're not supposed to be on the side of the terrible people right, the butt right. of the joke, right? right. Um, and so anyway, it's just, it's one of those things that you have to, uh, understand where they were coming from and realize that the people doing these things like Henry Higgins acting mean towards Eliza and all this, like the the whole point is you're not supposed to be on his side. Yeah. And he's supposed to be the goofy, like it's supposed to be ridiculous the way he's treating her and the things he's saying. And he really is a man child. He is, he's such a big baby. His mom, like clearly he got the money to do whatever he wanted to study, whatever he wanted. And he's good at linguistics, but like clearly he had everything given to him and the opportunities given to him. And now he lives in his bachelor pad with his servants that take care of him. And he doesn't know how to talk to people and like, and all these things he says are ridiculous. And the mom knows it. She doesn't want, she shows up to the races and she's like, goodbye. What are you doing here? You need to leave. (laughs) Goes up to the house and, and she gets that visitor and she's like, you and, or, him and the professor bishop okay yeah like 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 him and the professor together no i'll take him in the the library like so you're supposed to understand that he is he is people in society even his own mother view him as this child who is still not grown up and the things he is doing are wrong and so keeping that in mind it, you know, you you interpret it differently to where if you if you if he gets a happy ending and you're supposed to be like, yeah, he's doing all the right things, then it's like, no, that would not work. Like, right. you can't. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. even even you know with that, I think having that caveat is important. Uh, and but I I do think the movie is is quite enjoyable, and I, I think it's yes. you know not without that problem. I think that's part of its legacy. I would recommend that people check out the 1938 film version of Pygmalion, which is on HBO Max. Uh, It's a really good movie as well. Very jarring to like have my, like the dialogue is pretty much very similar. Um, So it's like jarring to like have like the My Fair Lady dialogue and scenes and stuff, but not My Fair Lady itself. Um, But I recommend that. I do recommend My Fair Lady. I think it's a really, it's a really funny movie. It's very charming. I think Audrey Hepburn delivers a, a really tremendous performance, and uh, especially with with her physical comedy and her 
um, and her dialogue delivery. Uh, any any kind of final thoughts or thing to wrap up um, on the film or it's, on it's, musicals in general? Uh, it it is it's a really enjoyable film. I'm with you. Um, it, yeah. it's kind of a long one, but yeah. I think the fact that it has all the great songs it, it justifies the three hour runtime because you get so many great songs. Yeah, if there were a bunch of songs that were forgettable then i think you'd cut them i mean i think probably the only song that really goes on a little too long and that you don't even necessarily need for the story at all is the get me to the church on oh time. yeah yeah that's, just, that's one that you can forward it's yeah. just weird that i mean it's a catchy song and all but when it comes to the story and you know, you're pretty much following Eliza the whole time. I mean, I know we do get like the beginning song with the father where, yeah. where he's, you know, talking it up with his chums or whatever. So like you get him in that one and then they get me to the church, but it's just weird after everything Eliza's gone through, then we cut back to him and that song just keeps going and going. And that you're like, feels like a Broadway <laughs> convention where like they need like a show stopping, yeah. you know, number, like a dance I think that's number what or something. It is. Like, and it doesn't yeah. fit into the Eliza story at that point. So they it have doesn't to really work it. with the movie, but yeah. I, I agree. It's a, it's a showstopper number for Broadway. And it, and then I guess, how do you do the movie without it? Cause it's, it's a good it's song. So popular. It's popular. Yeah. Number. Yeah. So that's the only thing that I think goes a little long, but other than that, it's a really enjoyable movie. It's very funny. I do think there are some modern touches on it. Like we said that, that are very funny uh, that were the scene before their time and the Audrey Hepburn performance. Like I don't want it to seem like I'm, you know, poo-pooing her performance. I, <laughs> I, I think she's really good. Like I said, she gives a really good performance. Her physical comedy is good. Uh, I, I would have liked to have seen her, uh, or heard the actual singing, which I'm going to have to check out the special features. I don't think I've ever uh, seen those with her yeah. lines or her performance put back in it, the musical numbers. So, um, but, but I think she's great. Rex Harrison is like all the things that we have problems with Henry Higgins. I mean, that's the way it's written. Rex Harrison right. does a masterful job. Yeah. The reason why you get so frustrated with that character is Rex Harrison is nailing it. He right. is so good in this role he really is phenomenal in it um and the guy that plays pickering too i think pickering is a really likable funny character when when they're calling up the people at the home office and when he's calling up the guy at the home office and oh it's been 30 years like he just falls out of the blue and and i love uh, the comedy of him trying to explain to the police like who is this person do you know she's not a relative what do you mean what why are you asking this no it's our business what we're doing you just make sure to get her back here so she can continue doing it like what yeah it's very funny it's very funny so there's a lot of great comedic performances um Freddie is very romantic. So I, I, you know, I thought he's great in that scene again, like for, from the romantic angle of things, I think that's a great romantic song. So you get that great scene. It, it's an enjoyable movie. And what I would say, go back, whether it's you or the audience listening, go back, keeping that ending in mind that it may be a dream sequence that I've kind of taken or interpreted from the yeah. show that we saw the revival, keep that in mind for the ending. And I think it plays really well and it does kind of, bump the movie up a couple points i think with that different interpretation because it's so enjoyable until then and if you look at it that way i don't think it undermines uh, eliza's growth throughout the film so uh i really like it even more with that in mind but yeah it's, it's a fun watch i'm glad that uh, i got to watch it again and talk to you about it yes i'm really really glad to have watched it with and talked about it with you i'm really glad to have you on the podcast uh 
Kevin, please tell listeners about where they can find you and all about real spoilers. Well, thank you. Thank you again for having me. It was a pleasure. So happy to do it. Uh, you'll, if you are talking any more movie musicals uh, that fit into the show, I'd be happy to come back and talk sure, to you about for them. For sure. Uh, have you covered Singing in the Rain yet? No, I haven't. Yeah. Well, if you do it, I hope I get a phone I, I call. I will definitely, <laughs> definitely bring you up there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. And you can listen to my show, Real Spoilers, where we don't get to talk about as many musicals as I'd like. But uh, we usually cover the biggest movie of the week, whatever we think is going to be the most popular at the box office, not necessarily for monetary reasons like, you know, obviously box office doesn't equate to quality films, but we want people to feel like they're a part of the discussion. We're friends that uh, much like in real life, when you go see a movie and then you go and grab a drink and some food with friends and talk about it, that's kind of our casual conversation. So we try to get as many people involved. So whatever we think is going to be a popular film, uh, new release of the weekend, we'll review that. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a, a buddy's talking about film. It's me, Tom and Joe. And uh, you know, we spoil things. So like if you're, against spoilers watch the movie first because it's in the name it's what we do so we're not gonna uh veer away from you know spoiling every single little plot detail but uh we we release that once a week and we have something like 712 episodes out now so we've been doing it for uh since 2013 and uh every week we're out there we haven't missed many so there's a huge back catalog if you've never checked it out and i appreciate you taking a listen yeah, I mean, I cannot recommend this podcast enough. One of my favorites. I look forward to it every every week. Um, I'm sorry. That I've been. I know you've been trying to have me on, but it's just always been like a oh, scheduling thing. But I would love to be on. So yeah, um, don't worry about it. We'll get you on. So definitely want to have that. Um, yeah. But yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm really really excited to have you on. I'd love to have you on again. Trying to get. Uh, Try to get Joe on the podcast next. That's you know, the challenge. He's, so he's not challenge. a big, he's not a big romantic movie. Well, type he, um, yeah, but he will, he will be on this podcast. I will. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll find, um, <laughs> we'll find something there, he likes. If there's a romance movie about wrestling, I think. Okay. I mean, there's a like a romance line in the wrestler, so that might. Uh, yeah, kinda... <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> we need to find something that will overlap the Venn diagram of right. <laughs> <laughs> Joe and Pod to be you. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter at vertigate three one four. Also, please follow the podcast at Ipod to be you, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to help people find the show. Uh, Kevin, thanks again so much. It's been really such a pleasure chatting with you, and hope to have you back soon. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Oh.